Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. Hey, it's Faye, and you're listening to the Face World podcast. Nonstop Dan is a popular YouTube channel originally started by a 12-year-old boy named Dan, who's on the show today. Dan believes that everyone deserves a chance to explore the world. He is 20 years old now and a college student, but he has not stopped traveling. We love talking, uh, interviewing people uh, from the LGBTQ community. And we've had the chance to do so much of that. But to be quite honest, some of that is intentional. Some of that isn't because so many people from LGBTQ are doing amazingly interesting things. We couldn't, it, it doesn't even come up sometimes, right? So or do you feel like that really changes your channel, change who you are? I mean, how does it impact you? at a creative level? Wow. So being from Sweden, firstly, I'm very fortunate that I live in such a liberal society. There's not really that much stigma toward LGBT people, uh, although it's not so common to see. Most people are quite accepting if they ever meet someone who's gay or trans. So I guess, unfortunately, that I do feel um, I should be as open as possible in my videos but I don't feel as much of a responsibility to be an ambassador for the LGBT community or try to change people's minds. I, and ultimately, I think the best way to change people, people's minds is just by being yourself. And in my videos, that's also something I, I don't make a big deal out of it. I'll just sometimes mention my boyfriend or I'll, um, on my Instagram stories, I'll put up like, oh, I went to this pride parade. It's just one part of my personality. It's not a huge deal. I'm not trying to sell. I'm not trying to be the gay aviation influencer or something like that. That's just one, a small part of what makes me up, of what makes me up as a person. Yeah, I find that to be fascinating for a couple of reasons because there are a lot of personas on social media and it's very easy to do and it's very tempting and people do it with good intentions. So what what was that decision process like as a creator to put a label uh, for yourself and make it really easy to target and sell to certain people versus, hey, I want to be a little more generalist and, you know, have a little more creative freedom. Yeah. So to me, I'm on YouTube because I love planes. I'm not on YouTube because I want to show myself off or because I want to do tags and those types of videos. I just love travel. I love flying. And that passion um, can fuel me through whatever. And that has also helped me persevere just because even if times are hard on YouTube or something like that, I still love planes and I still am going to fly as much as I can. So why not share it? So to me, it's just logical that my videos are should always be about my love for travel and aviation. For example, I think it's a very 
very interesting what's happening in the beauty guru community. Sometimes I am intrigued to watch them because many reviewers will they'll be talking or they'll be reviewing a makeup product, but they're the video that's not really the intrigue of the video. People don't watch it because they want to see specifically if this product is good, something like that. They're interested in the person, but the creator that's making the video is making it because they're interested in makeup. So that's kind of the same thing that I'm trying to do now that I make my videos because I'm interested in planes and that's who I am. And that's always going to be in the center of my videos. But I don't mind. Actually, I'd love if people who maybe aren't so interested in aviation, just like I might not be super interested in um, beauty and stuff, watch my videos just because they enjoy it. They enjoy the um, my personality or they enjoy the whole atmosphere that I create. And just as time goes by, I'm getting more and more DMs from people who are saying, and th- those are the ones that make me most happy. They say, I don't even care about planes. I don't fly so often. I just find your videos so entertaining. And that feels so rewarding to me because then I'm like, okay, I can introduce all these people to my uh, passion. I can share my passion with them and introduce them to something maybe they didn't know about or they weren't so interested in before and reach so many more people that way. Yeah. Just like the Patreon website where you wonder... It confused a lot of people, especially I guess the older generation. Why would anybody pay a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars a month to support you? Who are you? But I think people exist, and those people who feel like they might not be able to or not interested in creating such content themselves, I think they're vowing for you. Uh, they're able to see something that's different, and. We have been all very brainwashed by the media. We see what the media wants us to see. But I think YouTube and such channels give people the freedom to choose what they want. And uh, I am just as guilty. I I notice uh, that I'm very into YouTube beauty videos. And I'm actually pretty tomboy. And growing up, I'm not very, uh, you know, not all corners tucked in. But I was thinking, wow, this is fascinating. And I love watching videos of um, Asian women putting on makeup because it's drastically different. And there's so many successful ones. These days, I notice all, a lot of the beauty bloggers have transformed themselves to become fashion designers, have their own beauty lines. But, but the most intriguing videos are their monthly reviews of the book I read, how I felt. And I was thinking, yeah, wait a yeah. minute. And I always just say... I think I'm so, so lucky to be young in this day and age. And uh, anyone who's under you know, 40 or so and understands how to use YouTube, we're just so lucky that we have, a, or we have several platforms, YouTube is just one of them, where people can just be themselves. They can do whatever they want to do and not only learn so much, but just create and do things that they love because I can't even admit, like sometimes I wonder if I'd been growing up in like the 60s, what would I be doing right now? You know, I'm just so fortunate that I have a way to share my love for aviation that I don't, I wouldn't really have had a way to do that back then. And it gives, it gives me so much joy to be able to do that regardless of how many people I'm reaching, just uh, the ability to 
um, have an excuse to do work, work with your hobby and spend time on it is it's just such a blessing. Yeah, you will be doing something if you were born and raised in the 60s. You'd probably be on TV <laughs> reviewing, you know, products, creating something new. But I realized that I, I tend to, we love some of these meta questions because helping people imagine how they could think about certain things and think about them differently really helps rather than providing them with straight up answers. But with that said, I am, it, I stumbled upon your blog six months ago when I was trying very hard to buy business class tickets for my mom to travel between the US and China. And she has you know, sciatica and, and pains in her legs. So if somebody were to get started thinking about traveling and a young, maybe one credit card that their parents gave them, how do they even get started thinking about this? It's uh, So the first thing and the biggest problem that I always notice is mentality. I So, so many people, even most of my family members think that they can't travel. If, if they do, they go on one vacation a year to like 10 for a week and that's it. And they say they want to travel, but there's some kind of block. I don't know what it is, but people just don't realize that if you just book a trip, things will work out. You'll find a way to do it. And if you commit to going to X number of places in a year or just not postponing things that you've wanted to do for so long, then you'll find ways to do it. So once you accept that I can travel, even if I have just one or two weeks of vacation a year, there you can go on weekends. I literally flew back and forth to Singapore in three days one time from San Francisco just because I wanted to see my friend. Of course, that's completely over the top and I don't recommend traveling 15 time zones for a weekend trip. But that just shows that it's completely possible to do those things. You don't have to get exhausted. And once you get this feeling of freedom and not being tied down to your commitments and you realize that actually I can be a bit flexible. That's the first step to starting to travel more and maybe being more spontaneous with your travel patterns. But then the second thing is also to realize that you don't have to be stuck in the back of the bus and you don't have to pay like $1,000 or $800 round trip to Europe in economy. You could almost get business class if you look out for the good deals round trip to Europe for $1,000. So what you want to do, what I always do is if I'm interested in going somewhere, I'll start searching flights as soon as I get the idea to go there. Just so I get a general sense of what does it cost to fly here? What is um, average? What do the routings look like? And then usually even if I'm planning to go there in 3 or 6 or 9 or even 12 months, that gives me a good base to later compare what I find. So I would never just go search a flight and book it because I have no idea if I'm completely overpaying. And sometimes when you do this, you might miss a great deal because then you realize, oops, the price is only going up and up. But most of the time, it gives you such a good base for comparison. And also, if you really have a bit of extra time, I always use Google Flights to search my trips. And what I do is I put in as many different airports as I can. So even if I might want to go to Thailand, I'll put all of Southeast Asia, maybe even uh, Japan and China to see 
if it's much, much cheaper to fly there, if I can find a better deal, it might be worth it to have a slightly more inconvenient trip, maybe book your ticket to Shanghai and then book a separate ticket to Bangkok, some, something like that. So just having it in as wide a range of comparisons to make as possible gives you a good idea of what is a reasonable price to pay for a ticket. But then once you start to realize that, okay, I can travel very affordably in economy. Like many times you can fly for $400 round trip from the US to anywhere in the world in economy. As long as you maybe don't book your tickets in May for a trip in July when everyone else is trying to travel. Maybe you need to plan ahead in that case uh, or go during less busy times of year. But then when we reach the next level, okay, so now we realize that we can travel economy without a problem. How can we travel in business and first class at almost the same price? That's when credit cards are really, really valuable. And I have no affiliation with the credit card companies. I don't work with them. I myself started out reading points blogs. Uh, There are a ton out there. I recommend one mile at a time if you're interested in getting into this a bit more. I just started learning about, okay, what are the best credit cards? How can I um, build a good strategy of applying while not harming my credit in the long term? Because I don't want to be 19 and uh, bankrupt or in a ton of credit card debt and things like that. So you want to start out slow and just maybe get... Uh, okay, let's assume you already have an established credit, credit score through one credit card. Maybe do some research and apply for um, just one travel card um, that has maybe a sign-up bonus of 30 to 50,000 points. And that's a good start. You can work on um, achieving the minimum spend, which will get you the big sign-up bonus. And you have to get that sign-up bonus. Don't slack on the minimum spend. You really have to spend this money because if you waste the big bonus, then it's not really worth it because you can earn some points through spend. But the big chunk that will get you a long way toward traveling in business or first class is the huge bonuses that you get when you sign up for a credit card. Hey, it's Faye and you're listening to the Face World Podcast. Nonstop Dan is a popular YouTube channel originally started by a 12-year-old boy named Dan, who's on the show today. Dan believes that everyone deserves a chance to explore the world. He is 20 years old now and a college student, but he has not stopped traveling. I started looking into credit cards. What are some of the best travel credit cards? And caveat by saying, like, of course, they change over time, right? But for as of right now, summer 2018. Okay, so right now, um, I like American Express, but I don't think they have the most rewarding cards. So for me, Chase and Citibank have the best cards. If you're willing to pay a high annual fee of $500 per year, the Chase Sapphire Reserve is the single best credit card that exists, I think. Um, You get a 50,000 point signup bonus and you get, I think, a $300 travel credit. You get um, unlimited lounge access whenever you travel, even in economy. You get all these perks that totally outweigh the annual fee. It's just such a good starter card. Okay, you have to have an established score definitely to get this since it's quite hard to get approved for. But if you have a decent score and you want to get one card, this is the one to get. 
Um, but then also the City Thank You Premier, if you just want to spend $95 per month, that's also a great card. It has a 60,000 point sign-up bonus. And just to give you a base of, like approximate value of those points, for example, the 60,000 points from City, you can redeem directly for $750 in travel. So you can book a flight and you get that rebate, or you can transfer it to one of their airline partners and book a one-way business class ticket to Europe, for example, which is a worth you know five, six, seven thousand dollars. So you're getting a ton of value from those points. So you know if you manage to earn about one hundred twenty or one hundred thirty thousand points, that's enough to go almost anywhere in the world in business class. So what I do, I apply for a new credit card about every third month. You don't want to do this if you're just about to buy a house, but otherwise it's not so bad. Until you get maybe 20 credit cards, at that point, you might want to start to kind of polish your collection and make sure you're not hoarding a bunch of unnecessary expensive cards. But it doesn't hurt your credit too much to apply for a new card you know, at least three times a year. And then you're getting over 100,000 points per year many times, which is enough for a whole lot of travel. Wow. This is so much information to unpack, but you said it so clearly because you've been doing it for years. How does someone someone go from, for example, that city thank you card, 60,000 miles or $750 to a business class? Like, Yes. Yeah, so there's obviously different points costs on different airlines to go different places, but these sign-up bonuses are worth so, so much that just earning two or three of them is enough once you transfer it to an airline to get you pretty much anywhere. So another tricky part is actually figuring out the airline award programs, how to find space that you need because you can't just book any seat. You don't transfer them to the airline and say, I want to take this exact flight um, in business class and they give it to you. you there has to be um, award space in the cabin that you want. So you need to search around a bit. And um, both American and United make it really easy to do this on their websites. So if you want to fly to Europe on Star Alliance, which is the um, airline partnership that United is in, then you just search um, using my, uh, ticking the option Use Miles on their website on your preferred date, your preferred route. And then you see all the seats or all your options on that date that you can book. And then it might say 70,000 miles. So then, okay, I'll just transfer my points from Chase to United and book that flight. Wow. What are some of your... What are uh, a few of your favorite airlines um, mm. that, come, that come to mind? Yeah. Unfortunately, none of them are based in the US. It's a shame for Americans, but the really good ones are in Asia and the Middle East. So I'd say my three absolute favorites would be Qatar Airways, Oman Air, and Singapore Airlines. And then in Europe, if you're going to go Lufthansa First Class and Lufthansa Premium Economy are amazing. I wouldn't use my miles for their business class. Then I'd go with Austrian Airlines instead. But Lufthansa First Class is great. But if you're going to anywhere in Asia or Africa, definitely go with the th one of the three first airlines I mentioned because they are all amazing. Oh, how detailed was that? Go for first class premium economy, but not business. Like, yeah. That's the level. That's like Jedi <laughs> level of uh, understanding for this. Um, what are uh, a couple of or a few countries that, 
that come to mind that you travel to that you you adore the trips? Oh, so one country that I absolutely love. It's so cliche, especially for Swedes, but. I just love Thailand so much. I think the food is incredible. The country is so beautiful. It's just, I love being there. Bangkok is vibrant and amazing and the beaches are stunning. So I do try to stop in Bangkok if I can. Sometimes I'll purposefully book a connection just so I can go into Bangkok and eat a nice meal and then I'll continue on to my next flight. Uh, then one of my most amazing trips was to South Africa. I also love that so much. Although I know there are some security issues right now. I still, I went in 2017 and I loved it. I didn't really feel unsafe. Peru, if you like nature, that's one of the most amazing places to go. It's very affordable, but the treks to Machu Picchu and all that type of stuff, it's it's so mind-blowing. And it's just a six, seven hour flight from the US. So if you're into nature and want to see a cool new place, go to Peru. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I guess you don't really have time to really write up, create a travel blog. Mostly they're done through your videos, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Writing is even more time consuming, I think, than videos. And um, between trying to keep up with my homework in college, making my videos, it's a little too much to also um, several blog posts a week. I know. I absolutely agree. So I know we have a few minutes left. I want to. I wanted to ask a question about the people you follow or the books that you read, either at the moment in time or something perhaps in the past that still resonate. Hmm. So I follow just the widest variety of people. I like to find inspiration in all types of people. So they don't have to be motivational speakers. It doesn't have to be Gary Vee who's like uh, yelling at you what to do. Uh, even beauty gurus sometimes can implicitly give you really, really good advice just by watching their videos. So anyone who's successful on YouTube or successful on Instagram, I like to just observe what they do, try to figure out what's working and see how I can adapt that to my content. Then... Tony Robbins, I'm obsessed with. I love him and I've read most of his books. So I really recommend if you're trying to find some kind of motivation to get started, his books are fantastic. It's really cool when you realize that anything you watch can be a learning experience. And you can watch the most seemingly worthless YouTube videos or TV programs, but there's a reason you're watching them. They're probably quite popular and they showed up in your feed some, somehow. So they're doing something right. And if you can try to figure out what that is and adapt it to what you want to do, I think it's very valuable. Even if you're living with your parents, you're a teenager, and you don't even get to stay out past 12, if you find ways to pursue what you want to do, eventually your parents will start to understand it, accept it. And in the end, they might be your biggest fans. So just even if you're young, don't let your age stop you and don't, don't postpone things until you're older, until you're ready or you're more prepared. You can start today, even if you're 10, whatever it is. If you have a passion that you've identified and that you enjoy spending time with, that's such a blessing to start with because so many people don't even know what they're passionate about. So use that passion and 
try to express it and do something creative with it because uh, it's even more rewarding than the passion in itself. Yeah. Wow. The the creating process. I love that. How positive and it's beautifully said. So Dan, if people want to follow you and find you, where can they go to do that? So the main place to go would be YouTube. My name is Nonstop Dan. I'm also on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook, where you can find me uh, at the Nonstop Dan. And I also have a podcast that I launched just recently talking about my travel experiences. You can find it on the um, iTunes podcast app or SoundCloud. And that is called the Nonstop Dan Travel Diaries. Oh, I, I love it because I listened to a couple of episodes yesterday. So touching how you're opening yourself up to the world. Dan, what a lovely way to connect with you. It was so unexpected. And thank you for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored that I get to be on your podcast. And it was, yeah, so much fun to spend this time with you. Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoyed what you heard, it would be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face Royal podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Face Royal podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support.